Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. Won't you join us as we worship this evening? Our God.
Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Amen.
Luke chapter number four. So we're praying. I, I've got a. I've got to move, rather quickly um, this evening. I asked Tommy if and and Billy if we could schedule a deacon meeting um, for tonight after church, and I told them that I would be done at eight o'clock, and they laughed at me um, and insinuated I couldn't do it. Um, so I'm going to try to prove them wrong. Um, why am I? All right. Okay. I don't know what's going on with it. I, I hope I hadn't grabbed the wrong microphone again. I don't think I did. Um, but, but I do want to, uh, <clears throat> mention a, a few, um, Particular Tom clock, it's not my fault. It's the 
This is the one. Yes, sir. It's it's screwed in all the way. Let me let me undo it and see. That. Um. We we've got we're following online. my desk and see if there's another one of these headgear things and um, maybe I picked up the wrong one by accident. I don't think I did. Please bear with us. I do apologize. I didn't know if those were from Sunday. It was still together, so it was Sunday. Okay, can you hear me now? I, I can't tell if it's coming through online or not, Tommy. I guess y'all can tell that. Okay, good deal. Uh, once again, I apologize. I, I probably touched it in the wrong spot or something. Um, but, but of course, we do want to remember um, Jean and, and Miss Sheila um, as they continue uh, fighting this COVID. Uh, both of them are, are still... Um, their temperatures are elevated and having a difficult time breathing, experiencing a lot of coughing and um, just just miserable is about the only way that I know to put it. So certainly uh, continue praying for them as I know you are. Um, remember Pastor Danny McCain's wife, Miss Joyce, and her family as they grieve the passing of uh, Pastor Danny. Um, and I would encourage you to remember uh, Pleasant View Community Church as well and their membership. This, you know, when um, when a pastor's been in a church, as long, Danny planted that church, and I don't even know how long ago now, probably I would say over maybe 30 years ago. I'm, I'm just guessing, um, but, but close to a lot of people and has made a great impact in, in our community back home. Um, so I'm sure the church is taking this really hard. So we want to be praying for them. Um, you know, they have a particularly challenging task ahead of them as they prayerfully consider how they're going to move forward and begin um, asking God uh, in his direction and selecting uh, their next pastor. Uh, he, he'll have some big shoes to fill. Um, so um, certainly want to be praying for Pleasant View Community Church. Um, 
the, the church that I moved down here, um, that I pastored when I first moved down here, uh, Gospel Center Baptist Church, right over here in Varnum Town, one of our sister churches just um, r right around the block from us. Um, Pastor Foy um, has retired and um, is actually went right from that church's and his retirement to interim serving as an interim at Sabbath home. So actually that's two churches right there that are in the process of prayerfully considering um, who will be their next pastor. We want to be praying for them. Um, Sabbath home um, has had a phenomenal um, children's ministry uh, where they actually bus children from the school to um, the church during the week. Um, and, and I want you to join me in praying that um, God sees the, the success of that ministry going forward. I, I know that's got to be a, um, their youth pastor uh, is no longer there as well. So um, we want to be praying that God will provide an avenue uh, for those children to still be ministered to and, and, and served and taught the Bible. They're not getting that at school. And most aren't getting it at home. Um, so we, we certainly want to be praying for them. Um, we, we have a couple of, of ministries that are um, coming back up in the, the, the very near future, at least one of them, and that is our um, partnership with Pastor Joel and his basketball ministry. Um, you know, we've known for um, months, nearly a year now, I guess, that children were going to go through a really difficult time in lieu of the school closings and, and, and this COVID. Um, you know, I don't know how, how children make up an entire year that's lost. If I got behind one week when I was in school, it seemed like I could never get caught back up. Um, so, so we want to, we want to be praying for them for sure, but, but we want to do, you know, I don't know that you can do any more than prayer, but you can put feet and hands to the prayers that we pray. Um, Joel is working on getting a, a, an organized attempt together at um, tutoring uh, some of these children as they um, try to catch back up. And, and so we're going to be asking um, for those within our church who can to um, volunteer in, in some way, shape, or form, maybe even tutoring um, transportation opportunities, getting children uh, to where they can be tutored. Um, and, and so just be praying this, this we, we are in the beginning stages of talking about how we can make this become a reality. Um, I, I know that not only Joel, but uh, our, our church has a heart for kids and, and for children's ministry. So uh, be, be praying that we'll be sensitive to the spirit of God and, and, and pray how you might contribute um, to this ministry. I was thinking about this today. What do I have to offer a fifth grader? You know, um, the, the kind of math and stuff they do anymore. I, I'm telling you, uh, I was lost when my youngins was doing it. But, but then I thought about that TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Um, well, I, I hope that we don't ever come to the point that we don't think that we have something to offer our young people. So... Uh, be, be much in prayer about that. Also, um, as they get their basketball season kicked off, um, 
they have very few, if any, I can't remember what he said as far as local uh, tournaments this year. I think most of them, if not all of them, are actually away somewhere. <clears throat> and when they play away, uh, we, we provide them with our, our church van uh, to transport children with. And we, we, um, we prepare lunches uh, for them to pack and to take with them. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's coming up real soon, and, and we'll keep you posted as to what those dates will be. Um, and, and we have an opportunity to, you know, as we're preparing those tracks, we can drop the, the kids a note in there, um, a Bible track, and uh, it's just a wonderful way to connect with, with these young people. Um, also, uh, Billy has assured me that they will be playing football this year. Um, and we have had the privilege in the past of uh, partnering with Billy and, and the teams that he is a part of coaching. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's as simple as just going out and hanging out with them during practice and cooking some hot dogs and giving them potato chips and drinks. And that's just been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for our church to connect with the community. Um, and, and, and God's blessed that in the past. I'm 724. I've got to get started. Um, yeah, but, but, but we will have some, some movie night. Tommy's winning already, ain't he? <laughs> we will have some uh, movie nights coming up for them. And when we do that, we ask for chaperones. And, um, you know, we provide candy and popcorn and things of that nature. So um, be working on, be, be praying um, about these two, man, I get really excited when, when these two opportunities come up every year because it's, a, it's an opportunity to make connections that don't just last through football season and basketball season. But, man, we've seen people come to faith through these ministries, uh, people saved and born again, and literally entire families um, come to faith. So we're certainly praying uh, that that will be the case this year. You know, I'm a firm believer that you can, you can feed people, and if all you do is feed them, you failed them. We ought to be more interested in feeding the soul than we are feeding the stomach. Amen? But we also need to understand it's hard to get to somebody's soul if you can't get past their stomach. That's deeper theology than you think. You know, why did Jesus take time to feed 5,000 at a time? Because he understood that people need to know that you love them enough to care for them before they're interested in anything that you have to say. Um, so we're, we're excited. Boy, I, I could just almost cry right now um, thinking about the um, – I better get moving on. Um, so, so that's two opportunities we have um, coming up as well. Uh, be praying for – my eyes are so watery now. I can't see my notes. Um, um, Don and Margie, um, as they travel, thank you. Um, pray God just encamp angels around their vehicle and keep them. They're, they're going to Georgia, right? Uh, Georgia to spend time with family. Uh, so be praying for them. Uh, Terry and Sue Hewlin, we had. Um, man, it just seems like we, 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 we come to the place that we think, um, is, is Terry going to? go straight to heaven or is he going to be with us a while and that's where we're at and then Don and Margie will come through with another praise report so uh, we certainly want to praise God for all that he's doing in their lives and um, continue to pray for 
his healing. Remember Kenneth and uh, Miss Ellie Oliveira, as, as always, Brother Kenny Childers. Um, and, and I know that we have many, many others uh, that we need to be praying for. Um, so just, just um, re remember each of these um, as we pray. Let, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for the very privilege to, to be able to come to the throne of grace. Lord, your word tells us that we're to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might find an ever-present help in our time of need. And, Father, we just confess to you that we're a needy people. Um, Lord, there are so many within our church family, like Miss Sheila and Jean and Miss Christy Eby and God, who need a physical touch in their bodies for you to lay your healing hand on them. So, Father, we lift each of these up like... Um, Terry and Sue, and uh, God, just ask you to show yourself the great physician that we already know you to be. Um, we, we still believe that you're a miracle-working God. That nothing is beyond your ability. Father, we do pray for um, Brother Danny's family. We rejoice that you've determined to give him a permanent healing. And it's our belief that he's shouting in glory tonight. And so, Father, we just pray that you comfort his family with that truth, that reality, that those who have trusted in Christ will never die, never taste of death, but God, in, in, embrace and experience everlasting life. And so we, we pray that you comfort them, uh, Lord, that you send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to touch their hearts and to help them to be able to heal. We pray not only for his immediate family, but for his church family. Um, God, we pray that you give them wisdom and discernment, guidance and direction. Um, Lord, that they find their, their comfort in you. And Lord, as they begin looking at how you would have them to move forward, we pray that you give them clarity. Um, help them to seek your face and make decisions based on your will, not their wants. And we know that you'll be pleased to give them a man after your own heart. Uh, Father, we pray for all of our churches across this great land. And just pray, Father, that you would send revival. The Spirit of God would move in, in a mighty and miraculous way. And God, that your Son be glorified in all that we do. Father, we do pray for our ministry here at the bridge. Uh, Lord, we just confess to you that we're not content with where we are. And, God, we're, we're tired of being comfortable. And, Lord, we are eager and ready to move forward. And we just ask you for direction. Give us the faith and the courage to follow where you lead. And, God, help us to reach people for the cause in the kingdom of Christ. Help us to honor you and glorify you in the church of the living God. We'll be careful to give you the praise. You the glory for all that's accomplished. Be with Joan this evening. Comfort her. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I, I almost forgot to, to mention, please do remember, Joan, um, it's kind of hard to pray for somebody who's uh, been on vacation for a week, but uh, Joan, Joan did not travel well coming back. Her legs and feet are just swollen like uh, it hurts to touch them. So uh, just be praying for her. Luke chapter number four, 
Um, we're going to look at, at a few verses and then back up and take a look at the context for these verses uh, very quickly. The Bible says in verse number... Um, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all that bear him witness... And wondered, were amazed at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard in Capernaum, do also in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elisha, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. She was a Gentile. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian, another Gentile. And all they in the synagogues, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. I said I wanted to notice the context of the text that we're looking at, which is really only a couple of the verses that we just read, where Jesus introduces himself to the synagogue at Nazareth. I think context is always imperative 
when we're studying Scripture. Some of the greatest damage that has been done within the Christian community, the church, the, the body of Christ, is to take a text and lift it up out of its context. That is, to, to build a doctrine on one verse of Scripture, isolated and separated from the immediate Scripture surrounding it, and not only the immediate Scripture surrounding it, but the context of the subject within the entirety of the Bible. Bill and I just had a wonderful conversation about this very subject, and maybe that's why I was thinking along these lines when I read the Scripture. Now, we don't have a lot of background or context to really study because we're only in the fourth gospel or the, I'm sorry, the fourth chapter of the gospel of Luke. But I think it is important because I think the context leading up to the text is a picture, a portrait not only of the experience of the Lord Jesus in his early ministry, but I believe is a picture of our new life in Christ when we come to faith. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to you and me, come and follow me. That we're to follow the leadership and submit to the lordship of our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ. That is, as we study the scriptures we don't study the scriptures simply to memorize verses and develop doctrines. Jesus said to the Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and it is they that testify of me. You see, if we study the scriptures and we learn everything that the scriptures have to offer, but miss Jesus, then we've missed everything. And, and so, in, in studying the life of Jesus, we need to see how it correlates and relates to our individual lives. How, how does his walk become synonymous with my walk? So if you were to do just a brief overview of the first three chapters of the Gospel of Luke, you would see that chapters 1 and 2 deal with Jesus' birth and boyhood. And like Jesus, all of us were born at some point, time, or another. And there's a process whereby we grow through boyhood or, or girlhood into manhood. There's literally about 33 years in the life of Jesus covered in three chapters of Scripture. Boy, how do you sum up the boyhood of Jesus? We, we know so little about his boyhood. But wouldn't you like to have been there? I mean, wouldn't you like to, to play basketball with Jesus? and be on his team. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to have been there when he astounded the doctors and the theologians in the temple 
teaching them the word of God. And it's like scripture just kind of glances over that. And we're given very little insight into what his life was like as a child and a teenager. We're, 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 we're in the Gospel of Luke taken literally from his baptism, I mean, I, I'm sorry, from his birth to his baptism. And, of, of course, we understand New Testament Christians are to be baptized in water, immersed in water, as was Jesus. It's a outward demonstration of what we've experienced as an inward condition. It's a public profession of the faith that we have placed in the finished work of Christ. So, so we have in chapter 1 and 2 the story of his birth and then in chapter 3 the story of of his baptism, and the Bible says that at his baptism, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. And after his baptism, the next thing that we read is the Spirit that descended upon him led him into the wilderness where he was Tempted of the devil. Don't, don't miss this. Jesus said to his followers, Come and follow me. As you see me walk, that's the way you're going to walk. And, and I believe it to be true. And, and it's been my own personal experience and evidenced in the life of others that it seems like at that moment of baptism, when we go public with our profession of faith, there seems to be some time spent in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted of Satan 40 days in the wilderness. I try to remind people when they are baptized and I try to remind our church and, and mature believers that when God affords us the privilege and the opportunity of baptizing somebody in the baptistry, we need to step up to our responsibility to come alongside of them and not leave them wandering in the wilderness all by themselves. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't have any people around, but I want to submit to you that when Jesus was in the wilderness, the Spirit of God never left him. God never abandons us to wander in the wilderness of temptation all on our own. But just prior to our text, we read immediately after Jesus is tempted by the devil in the wilderness. The very next thing that we read in verse number 14 is that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions round about. 
It's interesting to me at the encounters that Jesus has in just a few chapters of Scripture that we're brought into the context of Jesus and his corresponding with being led by, being overcome by, being directed by, and I believe empowered by the Spirit of God. It says that he, he returned, returned from where? Returned from the wilderness of temptation in the power of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I just believe Jesus is God. I believe he's all-powerful. I believe he's all-knowing. I believe he's omnipresent everywhere. He's as much God as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But when he came to this earth, he laid aside, he never stopped being deity, but he laid aside certain attributes of deity. He was no longer able to be everywhere, all the time. In fact, as we study these four chapters of Scripture, we would learn that Jesus, as a boy, grew in wisdom and stature, just like our children grow and learn and develop. He done that in identifying with us that we might identify with him. And I think it's important for us to understand that because man... Listen to me. The enemy seems to have shifted gears. I mean, he's not sitting in park. He's at full throttle and overdrive. He's still in the business of, of tempting, drawing people to that place of the wilderness. And we need to learn from Jesus in this text that if we are to overcome in times of temptation, it will not be because we've arrived theologically or we've come to a place of strength doctrinally. Just as Jesus, we need the power of the Spirit of God to overcome and emerge victorious in times of temptation. Now, now some of y'all are looking at me tonight like, like you're living in a place where you're no longer tempted. Let me tell you something. If that's where you're living at, you're on dangerous ground. It's not the devil's going to get you. He already got you. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction. A haughty look always precedes the fall. And, and we need to understand Jesus is not trying to teach us something about himself as much as maybe he's trying to teach us what we need. And what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome in times of temptation. There's, there's things that we can do in the power of the Spirit that we cannot do in the energy of our own flesh. We need those 
communicable attributes of God, those attributes of God that he shares with us through the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've always really found it kind of curious that the Scripture doesn't teach Jesus just kind of wandered into the wilderness or that he was drawn by some satanic influence or power but rather that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And it was there in that time of temptation that of course we know the story how Jesus emerged victorious through Scripture and the power of the Spirit and the angels were sent down to minister to him. Now, notice how much of the context you have Jesus literally saturated, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Spirit came upon him like a dove at his baptism. Leads him, the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness of temptation. The Spirit of God it's in his power that he comes out of that time of temptation and then begins his public ministry. Now, I know that, man, I've, I've harped a lot on this lately, but I want to I promise you that in my time of prayer and meditation, looking for God's direction, I'm not... I'm, I'm not sitting there with a Strong's Concordance looking for texts that say this. It's just like they keep coming up every single week. And the Bible says in verse number 14, and Jesus returned, listen, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And notice where scripture says that he went. Remember, being led by, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Before we move on, could I say this? If you're operating, living a life saturated by the Spirit, you're not exempt from temptation and trials and hard times. But you can count on the fact that the Holy Spirit will not leave you in the wilderness all by yourself. And, 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 and I want to push it just a little bit because if the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, then the church will not leave you wandering in the wilderness all by yourself. But if you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, 
as did Jesus, then when Jesus is led into the synagogue, and then if you were to read on down into the text, you'll see the next town he comes to is his hometown, Nazareth. And we're told where he goes there. The Bible says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue for the purpose of reading the scriptures and, and for teaching. Now, I know where we are, and I know how sensitive this subject can be, but the fact of the matter is, is if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, then if he was led of the Spirit to be in the synagogue, now some, some folks is going to say, well, preacher, the synagogue was Old Testament. The church, that's, that's New Testament. The synagogue, that was ritualistic and legalistic. The church is, well, it's in the age of grace. You've got to separate and distinguish between the two. Well, that might sound well and good, but isn't it interesting that in the book of Acts, in chapter number 7, Luke, referring to Jesus, said it was he that was with the church or in the church in the wilderness. That is, he called Old Testament saints all the way back into the days of Moses the church in the wilderness. Why? Because that's where Jesus was. And wherever Jesus is, that's where the church is. Amen? Amen. And, and, and so I want to I submit to you that if, if we're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Billy, the Holy Spirit will lead you to the church. He, he, he empowered Jesus in the first two cities Jesus goes to. The Bible says he went into the synagogue. And as his custom was, listen, it's a good thing to develop the habit of being in the house of God. Gathered with God's people. Amen? Okay, now I've beat that dead horse. We can move on. Could, could I say that from our text, I, I believe, though, maybe in reverse order we see it in the text, but I believe that we learn from the text that when Jesus is glorified in the church, he gets famous in the community. It's right there in verse number 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and there went out a fame, uh, I'm sorry, into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. So now, now listen, Luke's not recorded one miracle. The only miracle that we know of that has taken place at this particular moment is at Jesus' baptism when the Spirit of God came down and descended upon Jesus and there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, amen. But, but Jesus, he's not yet, at least according to Luke, in the miracle working business. 
he's in the synagogue teaching the word of God, but the Bible said his fame spread out throughout all of the region. And, and I believe that the reason his fame begins to spread out is because of what we read in verse number 15. He talked in their synagogues, listen, being glorified of all. They're not glorifying Jesus because he's opening the eyes of the blind or causing the deaf to hear or the dumb to speak. According to the text, they're glorifying Jesus quite simply because he's teaching the word of God in the synagogue. Hey, can I say this? If God is teaching you his word, you ought to be giving him some glory. You ought to be giving him some praise because I want to submit to you that when the word of God is taught and is received and lives are changed, miracles happen. And then his fame spread out throughout all of the regions. Why? Because somebody heard a word from God on Sunday, well, on the Sabbath. And then that word that challenged and changed their life was shared in the community. And what took place was Jesus' fame began to spread abroad. I wonder, Billy, I wonder, what is our community? hearing about what takes place in our church. What I hope that they would be hearing is I got a word from God this past week and boy, it has changed my life. God spoke to me and I left different than what I arrived. When, when, when God speaks to us, it ought to change us. This, this isn't a newspaper. It's not a, it's not a commentary on, on what somebody said. This is the word of God. This is what God said. And when God speaks to us, it ought to change us. And we ought to glorify him not only in the church. Don't, oh, i got th three minutes left. <laughs> don't, don't, we, don't we glorify God in worship at 11 o'clock? I mean, did we give God some glory tonight at, at 7 o'clock when, when vision began leading us in worship? But, but what about on Monday afternoon in Walmart? What about Thursday at 3 o'clock at the doctor's office? You know when that line's wrapped around the building and you made it an appointment for four hours ago and you're still sitting in the lobby? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They glorified God and Jesus got famous. L listen to me. S some people will only see the Jesus that you show them. Are we making him famous? 
I'm afraid in a lot of places, the church might be guilty of making him infamous instead of famous. God help us that we glorify him in such a fashion that people see something in our lives, whether at Walmart or Belks or the workplace or the schoolhouse, that they want to be a part of, that they want to have a part of. I'm out of time. Secondly, not only when Jesus is glorified in the church house will he be become famous in the community, but, but, but there's, there's some fundamental facts about Jesus that every Christian in the church has to fully understand before we'll ever be able to make him famous in the community. And i got to go over them real fast. Number one is the preeminence that Christ places on the scriptures. The preeminence, the place that Jesus gives to the scriptures in the church. Did you notice that when he was in Galilee in their synagogues, plural, that his business was teaching the word? And then the Bible says in verse number 14 when he comes to his hometown or, or 15, whichever it is, when he comes to 14, Nazareth, his hometown, that as his custom was, he went into the synagogue and he stood up for this purpose for to read. Now we'll know from the text that he was reading out of the Bible. He was reading specifically out of the book of Isaiah. Notice, though, that Jesus... I think it's important to, 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 to see from the text. The text points out that he stood up to read. And then he sat down and taught. And I think it's important that we understand the reason that he stood up to read was that he was showing his reverence for the word of God, his reverence for the scriptures. Jesus placed great value on the Bible and teaching the Bible. He wasn't teaching five ways to your best life right now. He was teaching the word of God. And, 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 and listen to me, if we're to be a church that glorifies God, we've got to be a church that makes preeminent the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. That's what we're about. Amen? Amen. I say three to agree with me. Was that three or two? Well, okay. And, and, and then notice he, he not only stood up, but boy, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. We should have to point this one out, but we're living in a time where... I think we have to point this one out. Isn't it interesting that the Bible tells us he opened the book? Now, he, he it would have been a scroll, so he would, have, he would have unrolled it. But nevertheless, for some reason, God, the Holy Spirit, thinks it's important for you and I to understand that Jesus didn't just lay the Bible to the side and start teaching. He literally opened the book and read from the prophet Isaiah. How many of you think Jesus needed reminded what Isaiah penned in Isaiah chapter number 61? <laughs> no, he could have quoted it. He could have given us the page number, the side of the page, the paragraph, and the reference uh, that it was ascribed to, but, but Jesus thought it necessary to open up the Bible and read from it in front of the people. And now we have entire TV shows. Preaching 30, 40, 45 minutes, and you never see a Bible. 
There's got to be something wrong with that. Jesus took a Bible to church, or, or read from the Bible at church. And then he read the text. And then the Bible says he sat down because that was the, 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 uh, the, the common practice of teaching in that day. Then he, he sat down and began to teach. But I think it's interesting that he started out by standing up. I think it should remind us of the great preeminence Jesus placed on the Word of God. Secondly, I've got to move faster. I'm at past time. His anointing. The first words out of Jesus' mouth. Remember, this is the first recorded message that we have Jesus preaching. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. The, the word anoint literally means to be set apart for a specific purpose. In the Old Testament we see prophets, priests, and kings were all anointed. They were anointed by men like Samuel, the great prophet in the Old Testament, where they would place anointing oil, all olive oil, on the person be, being anointed, acknowledging that they were set apart to be either a prophet, a priest, or a king. Now, in our text, Jesus didn't say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because Samuel or a priest or a prophet hath anointed me, but that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. That God the Father, the Lord, separated, appointed Christ, empowered Him for this purpose. To preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going to have to stop right there. But listen. Isn't it encouraging that Jesus entire ministry began and continued to be preaching good news to broke people. To poor people. That, that don't mean much to the rich crowd. But that says an awful lot to somebody who's finding it difficult to make ends meet. Jesus was not anti-wealth or even anti-prosperity. It wasn't that he could not save a rich person. It's not that he did not save rich people. But if you study the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus, you'll find he's more welcome around the poor than he is the wealthy. In fact, in Jesus' day and time, the According to him, the Pharisees and the scribes despised poor people. They didn't have time for broke folk. They didn't have time for a mercy ministry. They were more interested in people that could bring finances and treasures into the church than they were taking treasures out of the church and putting them into the hands of poor people. Now, there's a twofold application here, of course. It's got to have a spiritual meaning to it. And 
Well, we know that blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are spiritually bankrupt. Those who understand they have nothing of value to offer to God to appease Him. He came to preach the good news to the poor. And you see, the good news is not good news until you first realize that you don't have anything to give to God. We don't have anything when we come to the cross to barter with. Isaiah would teach us all that, man, we're, we're spiritually bankrupt. The best that we have, the best that we can do, the best that we can offer is but filthy rags before a holy God. And Jesus says, that's the very crowd I come to save. That's the, that's the very group of people that, that I come to preach the, the good news, the, the, the gospel to. Now here, here, here I'm afraid. Is not only was it a hang up in Jesus' day, I believe it's a trap and a trip for the church today. We're supposed to be in the ministry of preaching good news, glad tidings to poor folk. Billy, I had a, no way I'll call his name right now, but, but I had a person some time back, been some time, they're, they're no longer here anymore, so don't worry yourself over who you think it might be. It ain't none of your business. It's not why I'm sharing it. But we were in a budget and finance committee meeting, and this is what he said. Wonder why we don't have rich people. Now, 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 now listen to me. This ain't bashing people that have something. God, God gave them that or they wouldn't have it. That, that's not what this is about. But, but what I heard, sometimes you've got to read between the lines. You know what I'm saying? What I heard is, is this church needs people with money. When God has called us to minister to poor people. You see, when, when we minister to poor people, the responsibility of the resources is not on you or me. They're on God. We're to be good stewards with what God has entrusted into our hands and into our care. But, but we're not in the business of creating the wealth. Just being good stewards with what God has entrusted to us. So in closing, Tommy, you was right. Billy, you was right. In closing, I, I want you to ask yourself this question. Boy, I wish I had time to get on down into this, this message tonight because there is so much more there. But, 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 but I, want, I want you to answer this question for yourself personally, not, not for your church family, not, not from my perspective or what you think your deacons are doing or, or this ministry or that ministry is not doing. Could I ask you, what are you doing for the poor?
in our community. Who has food that wouldn't have food because you put it on their table? Who has lights that might not have lights because you help them with their power bill? Who has medicine that might have died without it because you helped them get a prescription filled? You think, I, I think good news is the gospel for sure. That Jesus came to save that which was lost. But it is so much more than that because he came not only to save that which was lost, but to help us to serve those that he has placed around us. So there's a good thought for you for the remainder of the week. Who will you come in contact with? Maybe on your trip to work in the morning. Maybe even when you stop to, to get gas at the kangaroo this afternoon. Who has God put in front of you that you can be a blessing to? Can I say this, and, and I promise I'm going to be done. It's not always... Sometimes it is, but it's not always money that people need. You see, we're living in a time, I'm, I'm serious, probably like no other that I've ever known where somebody's out there, Billy, just needs to see a smile. Somebody just really needs to hear it's going to be okay. Somebody just needs somebody to come alongside of them and COVID or not, throw an arm around them and let them know that they're not walking through what they're walking through alone. In short, there's some folks in front of every one of us that just need to be loved on Billy. And I'll promise you, if the word of God will cause us to love people the way Jesus loves people, he'll get famous in Brunswick County. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I, I pray that we would have done more than just heard, but we would be doers. Help us to love the way that you love, to care about the people that you care about. God, we, we want to remain true to your word, faithful to your word. And we pray that, that the power of the Spirit of God that led Jesus through the wilderness lead us through ours. That the Spirit of God that empowered him as he entered into the synagogues would empower us as we stand to teach, as we sit to receive. Change us. Make us more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. In his name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Okay, Deacons, I apologize. Come on. <laughs> we'll make the fellowship talk.